another one i'm pretty excited about this one because this is something that i've been wanting to talk about for a long time and i thought what better time than now with tales of the jedi dropping so today i'm going to talk about star wars visions um, this is an animated project it is a series of short films all done by different animation studios so each one of them has its own look its own story they're not connected to each other in any way and i think it was a great way to let people just be creative within the world of star wars and none of the episodes or shorts are canon to the story of the established movies and tv shows so the people weren't bogged down by anything they didn't have to follow any rules they could design everyone the way they want have people doing whatever they want and i think it was really great and really fun to see so in short, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. They're all uh, really good. They're all animated really well. And I like some better than others, but one thing is for sure, they all were great in the visual department. So it's worth the watch just for that. So yeah, Star Wars Visions, really fun. And now I'm going to get into you know the more deep dive and spoiler talk. So that was your warning. And if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, it's time to get out of here. So the first episode is actually my favorite, The Duel. Now this one is my favorite because I love the look of it. The art style really stuck out to me. I love the black and white with the small amount of colors here and there, like with the blasters and the lightsabers. And with the old school film effect, you can't help but think of Kurosawa. And some of the shots look like they were taken right out of Yojimbo. So I thought that was really cool. And I really like the mystery behind the Ronin character. Everything about this episode is just so cool. So it opens up, we see this guy who's dressed like a Ronin, and he's walking with an astromech droid, and the droid has on one of those hats from the feudal Japan days, the ones that are so big and cover your whole entire face, one of those straw hats. I thought it was really cool. And um, we can see that this town is in some kind of conflict. They're being attacked by bandits. and the chief of the town is a little kid and these bandits are all wearing stormtrooper armor but pieces of it and we get a line about the last of some war so we can see that a war ended and now there's people still banded together trying to go from town to town and kill people and take what they want right so i really like what they did with them wearing stormtrooper armor that was mixed with japanese samurai armor and how they were wearing pieces of it. Like you'll see a guy with a helmet with the face broken off and arm pieces and different leg pieces, but nobody's wearing the full suit. And they're being led by this person who seems to be a Sith figure, this lady with a red lightsaber. And I thought it was hilarious that she has this umbrella thing that turns the lightsaber into a big umbrella lightsaber. I thought it was hilarious. And it's actually funny because that is something that would fit in the normal Star Wars universe. 
you know, like an attachment to the lightsaber to make it have a different shape. Because if you think about it, we see in the movies, double bladed lightsabers. We see Kylo Ren's lightsaber with the with the little parts that are mimicking how a real life sword is where it kind of protects your hand. But on a lightsaber, it could hurt yourself too with how the nature of a lightsaber is. So this is something that we've already sort of seen from the movies in different ways. If you think about it, a lightsaber is just a way to extract the power of a kyber crystal and make this sort of blade with it. And theoretically, you could make it shaped however you want. Because again, we see double bladed, we see Kylo Ren's. So we have this Sith person with an attachment that turns it into an umbrella and she's spinning it around and it's hilarious. Oh, and we also see the Inquisitors with spin lightsabers too. And we see different alien races and droids fighting these stormtroopers in the town. And we see a Trandoshan and we see a Tusken Raider with a nice reference to A New Hope. We see a Doug, which... If you don't know what that is, it's the alien race of Saboba from episode one, the pod racer. It's an alien race where the people are walking around on their arms and where their legs are. They use those as their arms. They're a pretty funny looking species. So we see a Doug using a probe droid that he converted to basically be a vehicle that he can fly around in and fight with. I thought that was really cool. And then this mysterious Ronin figure decides to engage the Sith. And the big surprise is he pulls out a red lightsaber too. So this is even more mystery because we see him use some force abilities. It looks like he's a good guy, but then he pulls out a red lightsaber. And then now everybody's wondering, is this guy a Sith too? Or what's his deal? Which they never say. And I think that's great because... Mystery makes people cooler. It makes characters cooler. So this Ronin fights this Sith lady and ends up killing her in such a cool way too. He almost makes himself look beaten and then she goes to collect her prize and he catches her by surprise and kills her. And the astromech droid ends up being a huge help himself too, killing all the rest of those bandits. So the Ronin saves the town and we can see that he actually has a collection of red kyber crystals. So we don't know his deals. So is this guy a Sith killer? I mean, he obviously did a good thing today. He's carrying a red lightsaber. So we know he's not a Jedi, but he's obviously not a Sith. And I guess that's why he's a Ronin. And there was something interesting about him too. I forgot to mention his lightsaber is basically used like a real sword with a sheath. And I think that's an interesting concept because not being able to turn off the lightsaber is something we haven't seen before. And things like that are cool. I think Star Wars should play around with those kind of concepts more. Um, I thought one of the most interesting parts of Kylo Ren was how his kyber crystal was cracked. So it kind of had his lightsaber look unstable. And I thought that was pretty cool. So again, this was my favorite episode of Visions. I love the look. I love the action. The animation was really good. So yeah. And this next one is actually my least favorite. Although I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad or anything. Of course, the visuals are top-notch, like I said. But Tatooine Rhapsody is definitely my least favorite of the Star Wars Visions episodes. So like I said, Tatooine Rhapsody is my least favorite of these Visions shorts. But I don't think it is bad or anything. I thought it was perfectly fine. I thought it was fun. Again, I love the visuals. The animation was really good. So this one was about a Jedi Padawan who 
narrowly escapes being shot at. We don't see what was shooting at him, but he accidentally meets these people who are a rock band. He joins the band, and one of them happens to be a hut. So we see Boba Fett working for Jabba go to get this hut because I guess Jabba wants him to join the syndicate and the hut. This guy just wants to be in the rock band. So the first time they run away and escape for a bit, but the second time Boba catches up to them and they're not fighters, so they can't fight against Boba Fett. I mean, even by himself, he could take them all on and he'd win. So he captures the hut and brings him back to Jabba, who's going to execute him. So this former Jedi Padawan makes a deal with Jabba and says they get to play one song before Jabba executes him. So they play the song and it's at the same place as the pod race from the Phantom Menace. And the crowd loves the song and they start chanting for him to play one more. So they play their one more song and then the former Jedi Padawan takes a leap of faith and says to Jabba that they're going to be the number one band in the galaxy and he wants Jabba to sponsor them. And Jabba agrees. So I guess everybody lives happily ever after. So again, this is my least favorite one, but I don't dislike it at all. I mean, it was cool to see Boba Fett voiced by Tamara Morrison, and we see cameos from Bib Fortuna, and yeah, it was fun. So this one was called The Twins, and this episode was very interesting to me because it put a lot of twists on concepts that we've seen throughout the movies already. So it's about these two twins that are born out of the dark side they were genetic experiments i guess trying to make force sensitive babies and this is a topic that's been explored in star wars a good amount um we already know that palpatine was very big into cloning and it's always been a thing that they could never clone a force sensitive being or make a force sensitive child and this was even explored in the sequel trilogy with Palpatine coming back and apparently always needing to make a new body because he was so powerful that it would wear the clone bodies out very fast. So they were constantly having to make new bodies for him. So yeah, we so this episode is about these two twins that were genetic experiments to be powerful in the dark side. And we see them in this twin Star Destroyer. There are two Star Destroyers put together and connected with this thing that we find out is this big cannon that's supposed to shoot a beam powered by a kyber crystal and the twins' bodies with this dark armor. So this is obviously a new take on the Death Star type of thing with the kyber crystals powering it because that's what the Death Star was. The Empire was going to Ilum and they mined all the kyber which was used to power the death star and be able to just blow up a planet if they wanted to and this is what is going on in this short with the two star destroyers put together one for each twin and using their force abilities with the kyber crystal to make a giant cannon and do the same thing that the death star was able to do and one of the twins tries to escape with the kyber crystal so he had a change of heart he turns to the light and of course the other twin tries to stop him and they have a big fight there's a bunch of references to different star wars things there was the yoda line there is no try only do there was a clear reference to that famous shot from the last jedi when the one ship went into hyperspace just to crash into the other ship um, which looks gorgeous by the way in this short and the light side twin of course ends up destroying the kyber crystal saving the day and stops the creation of this 
weapon that would do a lot of destruction. And again, we see different twists on what we've seen in Star Wars already with the Star Destroyers and the twins' dark armor is clearly modeled after Vader's armor. And when the, the dark twin had the Kyber Crystal powering her armor, it was interesting because she was basically able to make a lightsaber come out of any part of her body. So again, this goes back to what I said before about the Umbrella lightsaber. Theoretically, if you use a Kyber Crystal, you can power it and make a lightsaber out of any shape as long as you're creative. So we see her using it to do her best General Grievous impression and have a bunch of lightsabers at the same time. And the, the fighting was really cool. How the Light Twin used an X-Wing to jump into hyperspace and destroy the Kyber Crystal was really cool and creative. I like this one. It has a great art style. Of course, like I keep saying, the animation is really good. I thought it was really creative. And again, since none of these are canon, they're able to pretty much do whatever they want with them. And you can tell that the people making these are fans of Star Wars. So I really like to see this. And also, I think a big lesson here is that if you want to be successful in the Star Wars world, you need an astromech droid because we've already seen the astromech droid being a big help in two episodes so far so yeah everybody needs an astromech so again the twins was a really cool episode looked gorgeous was creative i really like it and this next episode might be my second favorite out of all these the village bride has references to both the empire and the clone wars um it's about a jedi girl that's on this planet hiding from the empire and it looks like she was a padawan because she still has her braid and this planet has been taken over by bandits and we see that this girl who is the granddaughter of the village chief is giving herself up to these bandits so that they don't just wipe out the village and of course being a jedi a jedi has the power to help and she cannot just stand by and watch as these people are in trouble so there are some people in the village that are willing to stand up and fight but of course they aren't strong enough because these bandits have a bunch of old b1 battle droids from the clone wars so they can basically do whatever they want on this planet they have an army so it's time for this girl to give herself up she goes the bandits pull up in a ship that's clearly modeled after the Millennium Falcon and the battle droids captured the other villagers that were willing to fight. So the situation looks bad, but of course the Jedi steps up, ends up saving the girl from the bandits with help from somebody else who ended up blowing up the ship and disabling all the battle droids. And this one was interesting because the Jedi had a yellow lightsaber and in Star Wars, yellow lightsabers are really rare. Only the temple guards are shown with double-bladed yellow lightsabers so we know that yellow lightsabers exist and if i remember correctly asajj ventress ends up getting a yellow lightsaber in a book or something but yeah we know that yellow lightsabers exist this girl has one i think it's cool especially in a thing like visions you know everybody doesn't have to have a blue or green or red lightsaber so so somebody with a different color and again art style amazing animation amazing and this one is my second favorite because of both the art style and the story i i think this has the strongest story so far out of those that i've mentioned um so yeah i think this one is my second favorite it's either this one or 
the one that I'm going to talk about next, The Ninth Jedi, that's my second favorite. So that would be my top three, I think, or maybe a later episode called The Elder. But I like The Village Bride, The Ninth Jedi, and of course I said my favorite is The Duel, the first episode. So yeah, I really like this one because I think it has the strongest story so far. So this next episode might actually be my second favorite now that I'm thinking about it. The Ninth Jedi is really good it would be really hard to rank all these episodes but i really like the ninth jedi i think it introduced some concepts that are really interesting in the world of star wars so this episode is about a world where the jedi are basically lost there's only a tiny amount of them left and there's no more lightsabers in the galaxy and there's this guy that is a sabersmith, so he makes lightsabers. And since there's none left, this is an extremely rare commodity. These are probably the only few lightsabers in the galaxy. And this guy called the Margrave put out a signal to all Jedi to come to his spot and get a lightsaber. So the sabersmith ends up being attacked by these Jedi hunters, and he sends his young daughter, Kara, to go give the lightsabers to the Margrave so that the Jedi can get them. And what was really interesting here was Kara picks up a lightsaber and the blade ends up being clear. And her father explains that the blade's color is based on where the user is in the Force. And she interpreted it as her not being strong in the Force. That's why no color showed up. But to me, I interpreted it as she hasn't chosen a path yet. Because we all know the Sith use red, the Jedi are green and blue, and Mace Windu is the only purple guy, I think, so far. But we also see them using yellow, too, very little. So those are the good guys' colors, and the bad guys' colors are all red. So there's all these Jedi that are waiting to meet this Margrave character. And it's funny because the Margrave, the way he looks, he looks like a bad guy. He has on this hood and this mask with these red eyes. So they lead you on to thinking this guy is a bad guy. And all the, the Jedi characters are, you know, asking each other, is this real? Is this a trap? Should we trust this guy or whatever? And the way they did it was really clever. They had one of the Jedi pick up one of the lightsabers in the room and his blade was blue. So it makes us think that all of those people are Jedi. And then there's a twist where when they all get the lightsabers, everybody's blade is red. So that reveals them all being Darksiders. They call themselves Sith Acolytes. and they were actually there to kill the Margrave and I guess any other Jedi. So the one guy that picked up the blade originally and it was blue, he didn't know that all these people were Sith too. So then we have a really good fighter in our hands. We see the, the Margrave who ends up being a Jedi. He pulls out his blade and it's green. And during the fight, Kara's blade turns green. So we see three people fighting a whole bunch of other bad guys. And the Margrave it's actually funny because the Margrave doesn't even hesitate to chop people and kill them. I thought that was really cool. And one of the Sith people actually turned to the light side during the fight. We see his blade turn purple and he ends up not attacking any of the Jedi and good people. So that's where it ends and they decide that they're going to go save Kara's dad. So again, I really like this episode. The animation was really good. Uh, like I said before, I love the concepts that they introduced with the lightsaber color being based on 
where the person is in the force, if they're a light side user or dark side user. And I really liked how they made the person who went from dark to light get a purple lightsaber. That might be a reference to um, Darth Revan. If I remember correctly, Darth Revan uses a purple lightsaber. He had two. He had like a red and a purple at one time because that, that character went from light to dark and back a whole bunch of times in his story. So I think he had a purple lightsaber. And I think that was pretty interesting because we don't really see purple lightsabers in Star Wars besides Mace Windu. And he's the only one that we see in the movies. So yeah, the Ninth Jedi, I think that one might be my second favorite. But again, it's really good. And I enjoyed it a lot. And I don't know if this was the general consensus when this came out, but I think this next episode, T.O.B. 1, was absolutely fantastic. Um, You can tell the people that made this are clearly fans of Astro Boy. The design of T.O.B. 1 looks almost exactly like Astro Boy, and the story is pretty much the same. It's about a robot that wants to be a real person. The art style is pretty reminiscent of Astro Boy. Um, I think it looked gorgeous. When I watched this, I found myself just almost wanting to pause to look at every frame because it looks that good. So, and this is another one that introduced an interesting concept to me. Um, It's about, like I said, a robot boy that wants to be re- a real book person. And well, he wants to be a Jedi. So he's living with this old man that he calls the professor and they're living on this gray rock and the professor is trying to bring life to the planet. So I guess he's trying to grow plants. And the whole time T.O.B. 1 is thinking about traveling the galaxy and becoming a Jedi, right? So if you know Star Wars, then you know, well, droids can't be force users. You know, even one of the most famous characters, General Grievous, he used lightsabers, but he did not use the force. And his cybernetics were meant to mimic force users and be able to counteract things that they did. And that's why he was so good at killing Jedi. But again, droids can't use the force. It flows through living things, so organic material. And so this is a interesting concept, right? Can a robot use the force? And I think it is interesting because... Droids in Star Wars are pretty much treated like people, and it's always that fine line of sentience, because we see droids a lot of times used as slaves where, you know, they're just doing the labor or they're just being the servants in different areas of the world. But we can also see in droids like R2-D2, C-3PO, and a bunch of other droids throughout Star Wars shows and movies where they're treated just like people, you know, they're friends, they have emotions, feelings. So there is that fine line of when does something have sentience? Because we can clearly see droids that don't have any sentience and see droids that do. But again, it's always that line. So if this is a sentient being, why wouldn't it be able to use the force? So yeah, we see this droid T.O.B. one constantly wanting to go out, be a Jedi. Um, He's drawing pictures on the wall of all kinds of stuff. I think it was pretty cool. They had references to different vehicles. We see like an AT-AT, the big walker, and we see a person, I already spoke about General Grievous, but we see a little drawing on the wall that's a four-armed person holding lightsabers. Who could that be? So that's definitely a reference to our favorite droid, General Grievous. And the professor is 
you know, he wants to keep TOV1 safe. So he's like, no, we just need to worry about this planet and trying to bring life here. You don't need to go out into the galaxy. It's dangerous, right? Because he is somebody that's, it's revealed that he is a Jedi and he's hiding from the Empire. And if you know Star Wars, this is probably obvious by what he's wearing. The professor tells TOV1 that if he wants to be a Jedi, he has to go find a kyber crystal. And of course he does. He goes looking around the whole planet and can't find one. And then he remembers that the professor told him to never go into the basement. So he goes into the basement and finds a spaceship. And he decides, well, I'm going to go take off. And he starts playing around with the spaceship and the radio and the, the comms. And he says, oh, if there's any Jedi out there, you know, yada, yada, yada. And the professor catches him, tells him get out the ship or whatever. And since he was playing with the comms, of course, the Empire picks it up. We see a Star Destroyer come out of hyperspace. And we see a Vader-like figure come down and... The professor, of course, can sense it, and he's like, well, they're here. It's my time, right? And he tells T-O-B-1 to hide. So he does, and when he comes out, the professor is dead, so he must have lost this fight against this Vader-like figure. And then T-O-B-1 is inspired to continue the professor's work. He ends up bringing life to the planet, and I guess because T-O-B-1 used the Force to make a lightsaber, this Sith guy could sense it, and he came back. And we get a nice little reference to Luke Skywalker training seeing T.O.B. one do that same pose with the droid standing on his foot. So the Sith guy comes down and they start fighting. And during the fight, the professor comes back to T.O.B. one as a force ghost. And I just realized that the professor didn't have arms this whole time. I guess before I just thought they were inside the robes, but as a force ghost, we can clearly see he has arms. So I guess at some point he lost them during a fight, but still survived. But anyway, he ends up knighting T.O.B. one officially making him a Jedi and that gives him the confidence to finish this fight and win. And I also thought it was cool how the droid attached himself to T.O.B.1's body, basically giving him a little more power for a little bit. So again, this is this also goes back to what I said before about having an astromech. Everybody needs an astromech. They always come in handy. They're the best friends of Star Wars, not just R2-D2. Everybody's astromech is always a huge help so in the end tob1 wins and if you couldn't tell by now tob1 is meant to look like toby and that's where he starts calling himself so he gets a real name he becomes a jedi and decides to go off and explore the galaxy with his little droid friends so again i really thought this one was fantastic the art style the animation was top notch i don't know if everybody else liked it that much because i think they're looking at it like other Star Wars things, but again, none of these episodes are canon to the material, so they don't have to follow the same rules. They can kill any character they want. They can show people doing things that wouldn't necessarily fit in the established Star Wars world, but this is outside of that. It's its own thing, so when you look at it like that, I can kind of just focus on the story and the visuals and stuff like that, so I really enjoyed it. This again is going to be hard to rank because i really really like it and i also like this next one the elder a lot too so the elder is another one of my favorites there isn't much story here it's just two jedi they go to a planet they end up finding a dark side user and they end up fighting him and killing him um we start off with 
two Jedi, a young Padawan and a master. They're traveling the outer rim and they come to a planet that doesn't really get many visitors. And before they landed, the master felt a disturbance in the force. So they're preparing to go check it out. So they pull up to this planet. They don't really get a lot of visitors. They they get word that an elder man landed on the planet just before them and went into the mountains. So they wonder, is this a disturbance? And the Padawan goes into the mountains to look for this elder and the master goes to look for his ship so that in case he tries to leave, he can stop him there. So the Padawan comes across this elder first. This man says that the Sith were fighting amongst themselves, so he decided to break away. And they start fighting. This man is way too powerful for this Padawan and defeats him pretty easily. But he doesn't kill him, oddly. And then the Master shows up to save his Padawan, fights this guy in a great fight. The animation was top-notch. And he actually gets some help from the Padawan, who distracts this guy for a little bit and allows the Master to strike him down and win. So again, there wasn't much story here. It was just a great fight between some guys. It looked great. I love the art style. And like I said, the animation was amazing. So there really isn't much to say here about this one, but I really like it. And on to the next one. Whopping Ocho was another good episode. This one had more story to it than a lot of the other ones. It's about this girl that's an alien. She looks like some kind of, I don't even know what kind of animal, whether it's a cat or what, but some kind of animal girl that's poor. She looks like she's trying to hide from somebody. She has on what looks like to be some kind of slave collar. And she's about to steal food when this rich girl and her dad see her and they stop her. And immediately the girl says that they're going to take her in. And they take her in. So they make this girl part of their family. And we're on the planet Tau. And they tell us that this is a planet that's been living self-sufficiently away from the Republic. And now the Empire has moved in and they've been trying to industrialize. But the industrialization is hurting the planet's natural resources. So seven years pass. The two kids are grown now. And their father wants to fight the Empire. But his daughter doesn't agree. His biological daughter, her name is Ocho. The girl that they adopted name is Lop. So Ocho wants to join the Empire. Her father wants to fight off the Empire. And Lop agrees with the father, but she wants them all to just come together as a family again. So Ocho joins the Empire, and Lop runs away and tells the father. And this is when the father passes on a lightsaber to her. And then he goes off to fight the Empire again. And this time he has to fight his own daughter. So they're fighting, and Lop joins the fight with the lightsaber. And it's interesting because. The adoptive daughter is the one that stuck by the parent, while the biological daughter is the one that turned her back. And in the beginning, the father didn't even want to adopt her, but in the end, Ocho ended up saying something like she isn't even really part of this family or something when she ended up turning to the Empire. And I thought that was really interesting. And um, so, yeah, they end up fighting. Ocho defeats their father. and. Lop and Ocho's fight ends up ending in a stalemate with Ocho jumping on a ship and flying away. And I wonder if this one is going to be one of those that's a part two when they come out with the next season of Visions. 
if I remember correctly, some of those episodes are supposed to be getting a part two. Because I think this one could definitely use it. But anyhow, I really like this episode. Again, common theme, art style, animation, great. There isn't really anything negative that I could say about it. I think it had a pretty compelling story. I like the character designs. And I think it's also interesting to see the effects of the Empire from more normal people. I think because in the original trilogy, we really see it from more different people's perspective. Like we see it from, you know, if you think about the main cast, as Luke, Leia, Han are all the main cast. And we don't really see, you know, we could tell that Luke doesn't really see the Empire much from Tatooine. It is until they kill his adopted parents then that he wants to fight the Empire. Leia is a princess. And Han is a smuggler, so he's always traveling around different planets. He's not someone who lives in one spot. So we don't really see the Empire from the perspective of normal people just living on a planet until a lot of the recent TV shows. So, again, I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I really like this episode. And now we're finally on to the last episode, Akakiri. This one might be my least favorite of the episodes honestly um, i don't think it's bad or anything i just wasn't filming this one as much but i think there is still a lot to like here because once again just like all the other ones it looks great it's animated very well there's some interesting character designs but i don't know maybe it's because the guy turns to the dark side in the end or something but i don't know well it's about a jedi who we see in the beginning and he looks like he has these visions that are really causing him physical pain we see him fighting and then he has one of these visions while he's fighting and and then he ends up having to be saved by other people because he can't function when he has these visions and he gets saved by these people there with this princess that he's in love with and she's in exile because a sith infiltrated the royal family and then took over this planet so they're trying to figure out how to retake control so they go on this journey and end up going back to the palace where they get caught and the Jedi ends up fighting the Sith and has another vision while he's fighting the Sith and loses because of it. So the princess gets captured and the Sith lady basically sets him up to where she makes him kill the princess. And this is what his vision was about the whole time where he ends up killing the girl he loves. And then the Sith lady makes him an offer and says, well, if you join me, then I can save her. So he does. and. The Sith actually does bring her back to life, but, you know, this is a sad ending because now they've just become even more powerful and evil actually won in the end. So, again, I think this is probably my least favorite, but I still think it's good. I don't think it's bad at all. I just think the other ones are better. Well, maybe Tatooine Rhapsody is my least favorite because I'll, I'll rank them right now. Number nine is, I think, going to have to be Tatooine Rhapsody. Number eight is going to be Akakiri. Number seven, I think I'm going to have to go with the twins. Number six is going to be Lopin Ocho. Number five is going to be the Elder. Number four is T.O.B. One. Number three, I think I'm going to have to go with the Village Bride. Number two, I'm going with the Ninth Jedi. And number one is the Duel. So. Since watching this for the first time, I think my personal ranking has changed. But number one stayed the same. I think the duel is just amazing. But 
I think before I I thought that the Village Bride was my second favorite, and I changed I flip flopped that and the Ninth Jedi. I I really liked the Ninth Jedi. Um, and Tob One really moved up a lot for me. I think before I had the Elder ahead of it and a bunch of the other ones, but I really liked Tob One, so I had to move that up. And I think I had the Twins kind of low, but again, I don't think that is bad. I, I think the Twins is perfectly fine. I just personally like it better than the others. I mean, I personally like the others better than the Twins. So, yeah, that's my ranking. And Star Wars Visions was so fun to watch. I'm so glad they made it. Animation is a place where I think Star Wars thrives. Even going back to the 2003 version of the Clone Wars, I always loved that since I was a kid, first seeing it on TV. And I've always wanted more animation from Star Wars. So you know, even going back to 2003 and then getting the 2008 version of the Clone Wars. I love that too. And now we're finally starting to get more animated projects from Star Wars with Visions coming out, with the Bad Batch coming out, Rebels coming out, and now with Tales of the Jedi coming out. So I will be talking about Tales of the Jedi next. Um, I'm really excited to watch that. So again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at FilmJetPod. Um, this was a fun one. and. Hopefully, Tales of the Jedi is just as fun or even better.